the world is revolving uh, around us in many ways. Welcome in. Today is Thursday. It's July 21st, and we are happy to be putting a bow on SEC Media Days. I'm Greg McElroy. I'm your host here at Always College Football. We appreciate you being with us. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever it is you're getting this content, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or here with us on the ESPN YouTube channel. We really appreciate it. Hit us up with the comments. Hit us up. Ask us questions. Help us get better and tailor the content to you. We have a great show for you today. We're going to be joined by Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. He is Greg Sankey. We look forward to our visit with him. And we're going to give a little stroll, do a little tour here around the SEC and some of the historical artifacts that are on display here in the College Football Hall of Fame. Here with Kimberly Bowden, does an amazing job here at the College Football Hall Thank of Fame. You. President, CEO, basically totally in charge of everything that is the College Football Hall. No, I just do whatever they tell me. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> totally in charge works a little bit better. We'll just put that right underneath the title line. Okay. Uh, this is an amazing room to me, and I've been in here, and it's looked very different every time I've been in here. Yes. Right now, it is the birthplace of Southern football. That is correct. It is, a, it is the evolution of the SEC. Well, what I like about it is you already have future members, and you have past members. So you can yep. see to your right, you have Georgia Tech. To your left, you have Oklahoma and Texas. So you're leaving looking into the future while also respecting the past. That is correct. Very I mean, and that's honestly, that's exactly what we do every day. Right. What, what, was the, what was the, I guess, why did you generate this room? Obviously, the SEC... Media Days coming helps. <laughs> yeah, that was just a natural tie for us. Right. We, we, were, we had an exhibit, Southern Football, that we were going to open in July of 20 when SEC Media Days was supposed to be here. Right. And that kind of evolved into our HBCU exhibit and then ultimately now our permanent HBCU exhibit. So we had the bones of this kind of ready to go two years ago. Right. And with all the changes kind of in the last year being announced, we felt like it would be a great time to to put this one in and really dig into the SEC. Well, it, it is neat. I mean, I'm just, I've kind of gone around. We've been in here all week. Uh, most of you that have watched the show, we've, we've been in here all week and you couldn't really see everything great, but now it's pretty neat with all the lights on to be able to see all the historical artifacts of the mm -hmm. SEC that you can see. Uh, every single team has a few specific pieces. I would love to start with Alabama. That's of course just, you they just lead in alphabetical. That's just, I, didn't, I didn't pick the alphabet. So, uh, I'd love to start there, but I don't, I don't want to focus anything on one specific team. I just want to know what led to you picking some of the items that are in each individual locker. Sure. So we have a full-time historian. Yeah. And so we first of all look in our archives and see what we have. We kind of dig in and kind of get it all out on a table and, and look and see, okay, well, this one's a little light. We have plenty of stuff here. Right. And then we can reach out to the schools. They're fantastic. And they'll send us some things to augment um, some of the cases if we need them. But we just look for you know, kind of the jerseys, the helmets, things that tell stories, awards, and those types of things. Wait, do you have a, a favorite piece that you found regardless of school? I mean, no, because I'm just, I'm just, I just gravitate <laughs> to my Gators. You know, right. The colors are beautiful. We can go over there. That's fine. I mean, orange and blue pops. I understand that. Uh, all right. So I like personally, and I saw this the other day, the Steve Spurrier visor is pretty That neat. is a classic. Yeah. You know that that has hit the ground a few times. I'm surprised there's no grass stains. Yeah. On the on the lid, that's for sure. Uh, but I can understand this one. What is uh, what is this forty five jersey here on the side? That is a great question, and I'm going to tell you that is um, Carlos Alvarez's jersey. Very nice. Yes, I, the I, Cuban I comet. I never even noticed okay. that we had these up here. I was trying to figure out some of these things. I didn't even notice that yes. you have actual artifacts listed, listed. out, so you can. It makes yeah, it a little I, easier on I, us. Yes, but no, we just um, debuted a documentary. Um, ESPN did an incredible documentary on Carlos, the yeah. Cuban Comet. So, very neat, very yeah. neat. 
Yeah, we'll have to check that out for sure. When yeah. you think about what's happened with the, the Hall of Fame, you guys opened just a couple years ago. Moved uh, down almost from, eight years. Has it been eight? Yes. Yeah, so I feel in, like it just opened. <laughs> well, anyways. For me, it feels like it's been, you know, 20 years and, right. you know, in two years. So it's the same. How is the, how is the awareness that the College Football Hall of Fame is now down here? How is, I mean, Atlanta makes so much sense yeah. for us, obviously. But, well, for the SEC, but also we're, we're a two-hour flight from 80% of the country. Right. So, and, you know, we have a huge convention base and then obviously a tremendous college football base right. here. And we have, you know, alumni associations, you know, top 10 alumni associations from across the country. So it really made sense. Um, and I would say over the last, you know, almost eight years, awareness has definitely increased. I think we still got our work to do. Right. But. Well, what would you say you're most proud of, though, and what you guys have been able to accomplish over the last eight? I, you know, I think the being able to stay true to the game and be able to tell the story of college football at the same time creating something that's really fun and really engaging. Right. And obviously continuing to evolve it. So we haven't, you know, what is here today is probably half of what was here in 2014 when we opened our doors, you know, the, the Air Force Air Raid, QB Sim. Um, we reimagined re our Coke exhibit, yeah. the HBCU exhibit. So we, we're also trying to turn and stay fresh. It's neat though, every single year and, and coming back, I mean, I feel like I'm here at least once a year uh, and coming in and checking it out and, and seeing what you've added. It, it feels like you guys are very thoughtful about adding pieces and being, uh, I guess, aggressive and trying to add to your collection because every time you come in, it's almost a different experience. Well, and we want that, right? right? We want people to feel like they can come back and see something new and see something different. Um, you know, we kind of approach it two ways. You know, we want any interactive experience that we put in here to be authentic to the game right. and really feel immersive for fans and kind of get that game day feeling here. Um, but at the same time, we want to tell stories. It's important for us to tell the story of the evolution of the SEC or celebrate our Hall of Famers. The next right. um, exhibit that will be in this room will be a tribute to the 2022 class. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, any surprises? I mean, I guess we've already announced the class, haven't we? Yes. We found out at the at the national championship last year. That is correct. They announced the new class in January, That's right. and then um, we'll induct them in December in Vegas. Yeah. Um, but the ballot came out in June for twenty three. Oh, so wonderful! Well, a little confused. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. I, I have yeah. a difficult time following it. All I know is you I have to too. be you have to be a first team All American. Correct. From some publication to be up to well, be uh, one of the recognized. Yes. Correct. So yeah. hey, if you, that's all the criteria you need is to be a first ballot Hall of Fame or first ballot Hall of Famer. To be a first team All American. That's all you need. First team All American. Some additional criteria in terms of ten years. Sure. From your last college game. Right. You can't be an active pro, and that's more from a scheduling standpoint sure, because of right. when we do a of lot course. of the inductions and celebrations. And your school has to nominate you. Yeah. That's the one thing I don't think a lot of people realize. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So you had to have maintained a good relationship with your school and, and be, you know, have some sound character as well. Because right. your school has to put their seal of approval on you and put you forward. Oh, that's neat. I did not know that. An endorsement from the school is yep. that, that would be difficult to get for some guys, especially it, now in the transfer portal era. It might, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows that. what's going to happen? Right. So you're exactly right. So that, you know, as this continues to evolve, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, but we've got 10 years. Like I said, you got to be out of college 10 years. That's, so we've got time eternity, to figure it right? out. I think yeah. I just passed 10 years. Maybe I'm not, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. But yeah. either okay. way. Uh, all right. So we are always college football and we celebrate the game every day. That's our mission statement. That's our goal. Um, we feel like we're very much in line with Hall of Fame because mm -hmm. I feel like y'all have similar priorities. That's what we do. Um, what do you want people to know about the Hall of Fame? 
I think the most important thing is that we're a nonprofit. Yeah. I don't think people realize that. And we are, you know, you talk about your mission, we're mission-based. You know, the, the Hall of Fame was established in 1951 to immortalize the greatest players and coaches right. as role models for future generations. There wasn't a period there. They kept going. And so I think that's the most important thing we can do is tell the stories of our Hall of Famers and use them to inspire future generations and not just football players, right? right. People can be Hall of Famers in life. Yeah. So I think that using that as our platform is probably the most important thing and that, you know, we survive on donations, right. sponsorship, all those types of things. People think, oh, college football, right? No, yeah. no. <laughs> We're a nonprofit. We are a museum. Yeah, so. that's amazing. Well, we so appreciate your hospitality this week. Thanks for hosting us. Thanks for being here. Yeah, this been yeah I could talk about the Hall of Fame all day, so thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you again for joining us, Kimberly, yeah. and we look forward to visiting again down the road and seeing what's in this room next. Hey, it, yep, tribute to the 2022 class. We've got uh, 21 pretty interesting uh, Hall of Famers. Oh, wonderful. So. We look forward to it. Thanks, yeah. Kimberly. Thank you. All righty. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Sitting here now with the most powerful man in college athletics, Greg Sankey. He's the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Needs no introduction, frankly. We're sitting there walking around Atlanta last night. Joe Tessitore, a few other people. Some A-list celebrities in the college football world. And they said, I want nothing to do with Joe Tess in the picture. <laughs> I want a picture with Greg Sankey. That's right. Yeah. You are like Multiple a, times. You so. are, multiple. Four different pictures on a five-minute walk is pretty impressive. Has it been that way for quite a while now or what? You know, it changed post-pandemic. So whether uh, you expect it or not, the, after the pandemic, um, the like recognition went through the roof relatively soon. Right. I've been generally anonymous for <laughs> right. 55 years of my life. Um, in fact, last week I was in upstate New York where I grew up and, and there's somebody at the breakfast table next to me in Skinny Alice, New York, who when he finishes, stands up and says, hey, I've seen you on the Dan Patrick show. Love you on there, love your work <laughs> and introduces himself. And you know that that's uh, out of footprint and out of the norm of what I expected. Well, some would say that footprints are an anomaly now, and you, the SEC spans the globe. So I guess Skinny yeah. Atlas, maybe it's that uh, that's SEC territory now, I suppose. Absolutely. In right. fact, um, the high school principal reached out to me, who I knew, and and they have uh, for the first time a student who's enrolling in Alabama. They have had, have had others enroll at our universities. Wow. So yeah, we. Uh, and in fact, I think that's one of the under-told stories is the, the thousands upon thousands of young people in a few weeks will hop on jets or 
drive past a lot of other universities to, to choose one of our 14. Then I think that there's something to that, and, and we'll, we'll talk about the state of the league and the state of college football in a minute, but I know when I got to school at Alabama, there's 26,000 undergraduate students. Now that number is approaching 40. If not, they might have eclipsed 40 at this point, and vast majority of the new enrollees are out of state because they want to go to a school that has, a, I guess, a tremendous following on Saturdays because college football is such a huge part of the college experience. So what would you say about how the, the schools in the SEC have embraced football as basically their number one marketing strategy and, and leaned into it that has now increased enrollment and in some ways has increased the, the quality of the education that they're receiving? Well, in, in your experience as well before the pandemic, as you saw these enrollments grow, grow you know, I have a daughter that chose Mississippi State. Right. And I remember standing in the parking lot her freshman year looking at the license plates all or, from all around the country in, wow. in Starkville, Mississippi. And so this, this reality is happening over and over. I was talking to Georgia's president about the, the number of applications for the available spots, which has just skyrocketed. The Vanderbilt chancellor was telling me. Um, and they've become a, a first choice type private right. university, an elite private university. Uh, you know, Texas A&M is north of 50,000 students, and right. the growth on their campus. And, and it is in part due to what we've been able to do athletically, football and other sports, and wanting to be part of a college experience. And I think the, the pandemic, again, where we said, you know, we're going to get back to in-person learning, in-person instruction, and in-person residential life. Uh, yeah, you know what? You can go to college virtually, right? But that's not the college experience. Sure. This Saturday in the fall was part of the college experience, wondering and talking, uh, and walking sidewalks with with people who play on a particular team. That's the college experience. Sure. And um, I, I think what we've seen on our campuses as evidence is how important that is at that time of life, as young people go from adolescence to adulthood and and go through learning with great faculty, great leadership, in addition to this whole big-time college sports experience. No, it's, it's amazing, I think, the well-roundedness of an education that you get in the SEC. I, for one, have had a remarkable experience. I know my sister did as well, and every member of my family went to an SEC school. So even though we did have a couple black sheeps that chose Auburn, that's okay. It's, it's part of it. <laughs> that's um, the, it just means more part yeah, of thanks, right. <laughs> Thanksgiving meals. Right, without question. The current state of college athletics, I know you've at, answered this question a million times this week about expansion and possible expansion. You said that there's no urgency for the SEC to expand. Why is that? because the world is revolving uh, around us in many ways. So we announced the addition of two great athletics programs, two great universities last summer to move to 16. Uh, the Big Ten has chosen to move to 16 for their own reasons. Um, and now you're seeing reaction to all that's taken place. And we could just react, but I think reacting to just hit some number is, is unwise and right. really uninformed. What we want to do is separate fact from fiction, take our time, understand our, our position of strength, not be complacent, be confident. Um, and if there are opportunities that are consistent with our culture and philosophy, be prepared um, if those manifest themselves. Uh, we have to respect uh, contracts that exist, grant rights agreements that exist. We also want to be respectful geographically of our participants. Sure. Um, we could go coast to coast, but just doing that um, it doesn't really fit right now. And, and you never say never, things can change, but you want to change for the right reasons, not just because there's some number to hit. Obviously, I think a lot of us, we're, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know the conversation that happens, but let's just say, what, what is the process like 
you just went through it last year with Oklahoma and Texas, you know, reaching out, wanting to be a part of the SEC. What is the process like for you as the commissioner when it comes to adding teams down the road? What, what, organize, what kind of organization do you have to go through in order to make something like that happen? Uh, so I'll start with my commissioner of the Southland Conference experience in <laughs> 1996. We had five schools that wanted to enter. I started officially in, in April, and in early July we had a meeting of presidents. We looked at, we had five presentations, and we invited two. Does the actual school make the presentation? Uh, in that circumstance, we did. Like, we had the AD and the president and maybe a few others show up, visit with, with our board. That is nothing like what I just went through. <laughs> right. Okay, so I've now been. Uh, I lived in Dallas, actually, when Arkansas announced the transition from the Southwest Conference, the old Southwest Conference, to the SEC. So I watched that from afar. And I was in the SEC office when Texas A&M and then Missouri joined, and, and now with Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, I can speak to what happened last year, which was outreach, to, where, which essentially began with the statement, hey, we've watched um, how you as a conference have made decisions. We've watched how you've led. We, we see how you, you know, support your intercollegiate athletics programs. We've watched what's happened on your campuses, and we'd like to be a part of it if, if you'd be interested. I mean, sure. It was that, there was no money. There was no ESPN calling saying you need to add these two right. for these demographic reasons. It was really... You know, we're looking at our future, and we've got some decisions to make, and we wonder if, for these reasons, you'd be interested in a conversation. And then, you know, on the day we're recording this, 52 weeks ago on Wednesday <laughs> media days, it, the news broke, and then the acceleration of the decision-making process took place. But it really was that. Uh, we go through our evaluations. Sure. And, and in fact, uh, when I started as commissioner in 2015, I shared pretty in-depth analysis with our presidents and chancellors that October to say, hey, here's the, here's the overall landscape. Here's how we, we may need to be thinking in the future. Here's some places that could move. Uh, we formed a, a short-term strategic thinking group um, and then incorporated that into regular dialogue. So right. we just knew what was happening. Uh, in the aftermath of the Big Ten announcement, we waited a week um, and then brought together our, our ADs on a video conference and separately our presidents and chancellors and said, here's the lay of the land again, which the good news is we kind of normalized that conversation. Sure, right. Um, and every one of these experiences are probably different, but for us, it was this outreach and, and then a little bit of consideration and then uh, advising that this potential is real. And then it obviously took off a year ago. Sure. I, can't, I just remember how fast it happened. It was like, what just happened? I was on College Football Live. I'm, I run and, and just try to wash my hands real quick before we're getting ready to start. And someone's like, yeah, Texas, Oklahoma, come to the SEC. I go, what? <laughs> I had no idea. So the way things took off that day was, was remarkable. This July is still turbulent, but maybe not quite as much as last year. When you look at the, at the process and the candidacy that a school might have to potentially join the SEC, what boxes do they need to check? One of our athletics directors um, called and said they have to meet the it just means more attitude in a way. And I'm like, well, okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> right. And it was really what was conveyed to me by both uh, presidents uh, last year, which is we've watched who you are, how you've made decisions, how you function, and how you support college sports. Right. We want to be a part of that. Um, and they have, I think, fan bases that, care deeply, just like all 14 of our current fan bases. They have a level of success across their programs, much like the level of success present across our campuses. Right. 
Um, they have, for us, a, a geographic continuity that, that's healthy. Absolutely. And, and obviously, people th- see, see that part differently. You know, uh, when, when I talk about geography, somebody goes right to the Big Ten. Well, you know, the Big 12 made the decision to go from Orlando to Provo, Utah. Sure. Uh, we have New Jersey to, to California in the Big Ten. You have Miami to Boston uh, in the ACC. Um, our longest trip is Columbia, South Carolina to Austin, Texas, which is about 80 miles further than College Station. Right. And South Carolina and A&M play football every, every year. year. So right. it's not like we, we've we stretched our footprint. So th- those factors are a part of it. You know what? We look at uh, student uh, enrollment. We look at graduation rates. We look at library holdings. We look at majors. We look at alumni. We look at TV demographics. But it's that cultural and philosophical fit that I think is at the center of our decision making. At least it was a year ago. And, and actually it was inherent in the conversations we had. Uh, almost two weeks ago with our leadership as we talked about the, the aftermath of the Big Ten movement. Well, someone that grew up going to Dallas and going to the Cotton Bowl and basically my l- livelihood and love for college football is hinged on Texas and Oklahoma games. Uh, I'm excited to see them as a member of this league. I think it's a perfect fit. And I know we're all anxious to see when that day may come. I know you say July 1st of 2025. What considerations need to be made for a potential early exit? I mean, how do you weigh the pros and cons of a decision like that? Well, as we, as we look to the future, just to reference you know, your personal experience, this is an expansion where we actually can increase rivalries. Right, rivalries. right. That's true. So you, you start with Oklahoma and Missouri. You know, Joe Castiglione left Missouri to become the AD at Oklahoma right. back in the late 90s. Oklahoma and Missouri represent one-fourth of the entire Big 8 conference, which existed before the Big 12. Uh, Arkansas and Texas have this great history of football matchups. And then you have Arkansas and Oklahoma right next to each other. Don't play nearly as much, uh, but that opportunity is there. So uh, really neat to look to the future, which right now is 2025. And on that issue with with President Hartzell, President Harris, very directly, um, when the news broke on Wednesday, uh, I never picked up the phone and they never picked up the phone and called me. They understood that they had to clarify their Big 12 situation and and then they could apply, which is about a respectful and orderly transition. Right. Uh, That's been a mantra that the two universities in the conference office have had, respectful and orderly transition. Um, and that's because they have existing agreements with the Big 12 Conference between each university and the Big 12 Conference, one of which is a grant of rights agreement sure. that expires June 30, 2025. So the entry date of July 1st is informed by that. Sure. And the reality is people will opine, well, they've never stayed this long after these <laughs> right. types of announcements, but they've never had these types of agreements. Sure. So that's the focus. Um, there's been talk about you know, could they leave earlier? That's between those universities and, and the Big 12 Conference. And I think my Big 12 colleague has is, is acknowledged the need for some conversation there. So really the, the third point, respectful and orderly, there's reasons, which are these membership agreements and contractual commitments. And then the third point is if we have to adjust, we'll be prepared to adjust, which then probably leads to, well, how are we gonna schedule a football game? <laughs> right, right. But, but that's, that's really the structure. So we've, we've intentionally focused on July 1st, 2025 uh, for those reasons, and, and we'll see if something different manifests. As far as scheduling formats are concerned, if 2020 taught us anything, is we can be flexible uh, when it comes to scheduling. Yeah, that's even sure. 2011, 2012, because sure. A&M was announced right. in September in Missouri in November, right. and they played in late August, early September. Sure. So, 
uh, I don't want to have that kind of scurrying. Right. We've we've managed before. What would you say to those that have hypothesized that the balance of power in college football hinges on Notre Dame? Because I feel like it's so much bigger than that, but yet there's still so much of a narrative that is centering around the Fighting Irish right now. It's understandable that the people go to to that circumstance. There's one major, major football independent, which, which I respect. I respect the, the history and the culture of Notre Dame and its football program. And uh, what's really cool for us is we've got them in a bunch of non-conference games coming up. And I went up to South Bend for the Georgia game and to Athens when Notre Dame played at Georgia and both just, just great, great atmospheres. And so fundamentally, I, I respect and don't engage in the conjecture of, about Notre Dame, but your mind just gravitates there to say, well, here's the major yeah. independent, you know, could something happen there? They're in the, in the midst of this big 10 footprint, you know, at some point their NBC contract concludes. And so I think that's the natural progression of thought, but that is divorced, if you will, from the institution's commitment to its culture and its tradition. Um, the reality, too, is if anybody ever went to 17, nobody would ever stay at 17. Sure. You'd go further. And so I think the, the notion is, okay, here's the simple, could they move? That makes it 17. And then uh, you'd have to go to 18 or, or 20 to, to schedule effectively. Or you can let your imagination run wild to some other number. I think that's the why. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is really determined by, by Notre Dame, not by um, other conferences. And, and that's where I go back to respecting fully uh, their independence. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the idea that they're sitting there and, and understanding the history and the importance of Notre Dame is, as a college football fan is significant. Uh, if they were to move, why would the SEC be a, a great destination for them? Well, I want to be careful about addressing that because my, my fundamental position is I fully respect their independence. Sure. I also know that they have uh, agreements with the ACC, so they play everything but football with the ACC. Then they have a scheduling agreement. Um, and, and so I respect the, the, that those agreements are there. If I was to talk generally, so I'll go back uh, to last year, and I think this applies going forward. When we were we had outreach from Texas and Oklahoma, they shared with us, we watched how you function as a league, how you make decisions to me directly, how you lead, but really how you support and compete in the, 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 both the intensity and the camaraderie that exists. And we want to be a part of that. Yeah. That's why. That's why. Because there's something special happening here um, in the Southeastern Conference that I don't see happening the same way across the country. Yeah, yeah there are great games, there are great rivalries. Uh, but there's really something special here. And, and that's why we've watched national championship coaches in all kinds of sports choose to leave their previous affiliation and come here. That's why you watch these recruiting rankings and you're a competitor. Man, I want to play at the highest level. Yeah. And you know, you're confronted with can you or not, can you not compete at that level, whether it's football or basketball or track and field or baseball. I mean, that's the challenge and the rewards embedded in that challenge. So I think that's attractive. And I'll just be really candid as I talk about what will happen on our universities from an enrollment standpoint. We're a national conference. Yeah. Yeah, we've got this, this footprint, but young people want to be a part of this. And, and that goes back to there's something special here. So I would just represent as we go forward and people think about their futures, there's something special happening here um, that we've seen. Universities, 
coaches, student athletes and students, and really faculty too, want to be a part of. And uh, I, would, uh, I would think everybody would want to be a part of it. Well, it's happening because of you. I'll admit, I mean, I, I look up to you. I think the world of you and I appreciate what you mean for college athletics and can't tell you how much I appreciate the time. There's so many other questions I want to get to. Can we just book already another visit down sure. the road? Sure, yeah. Well, uh, and re- an hour from now. I, I reflect back, you know. <laughs> so COVID made me better because I couldn't control everything and I right. had to be much more comfortable with delegation within our office. And so a great deal of credit to all of our staff. And things have changed. Things will continue to change. I'm still trying to figure it out. And then at our campus level, you know, the ability to embed some trust in, in, in leadership um, the ability to have collegial conversations, have difficult conversations, and then to turn the page. Um, uh, the ability for our campuses to attract talent um, at the coaching level to me is phenomenal. And so there's really shared credit for our success, which it's intense, it never stops. <laughs> um, but that's both, as I said before, for a student athlete or for a commissioner, both the challenge and the reward. Yeah, it's very attractive, that's for sure. Well, we so appreciate the time. We look forward to visiting again, and thanks for all that you do for college football. Thank you. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What a great visit. We so appreciate Greg Sankey for his transparency and allowing us to kind of peek behind the curtain of everything that's going on right now in the landscape. Still so much that we wish we could have gotten to him about. We'll have him back. We'll we'll get him on NIL and how to get guard rails and all those things involved. But at some point down the road, he's a busy man and we're grateful for him being so generous with his time. Please like, rate, and subscribe if you enjoyed the content today here on Always College Football. If you like, you rate, and you subscribe, it really helps the show, so we appreciate the interaction that we get with you. You can also hit us up on Twitter at alwayscfb, and you can hit us in Gmail at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. We so appreciate the interaction. Hit us up, send us some critiques, send us some criticisms. We're just trying to get better, and we're trying to make the show better for you. For all of us here at Always College Football, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.